Volume three, chapter seven of a simple story. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Pam Moscato. A simple story by Elizabeth Inchbald. Volume three, chapter seven. The next day, the whole castle appeared to Lady Matilda, though she was in some degree retired from it all tumult and bustle as was usually the case while lord elmwood was there she saw from her windows the servants running across the yards and park horses and carriages driving with fury all the suite of a nobleman and it sometimes elated at other times depressed her these impressions however and others of fear and anxiety which her father's arrival had excited by degrees wore off and after some little time she was in the same tranquil state that she enjoyed before he came he had visitors who passed a week or two with him he paid visits himself for several days and thus the time stole away till it was about four weeks from the time that he had arrived in which long period sandford with all his penetration could never clearly discover whether he had once called to mind that his daughter was living in the same house he had not once named her that was not extraordinary consequently no one dared name her to him but he had not even mentioned miss woodley of whom he had so lately spoken in the kindest terms and had said he should take pleasure in seeing her again from these contradictions in lord elmwood's behaviour in respect to her it was miss woodley's plan neither to throw herself in his way nor avoid him she therefore frequently walked about the house while he was in it not indeed entirely without restraint but at least with the show of liberty this freedom indulged for some time without peril became at last less cautious and as no ill consequences had arisen from its practice her scruples gradually ceased one morning however as she was crossing the large hall thoughtless of danger a footstep at a distance alarmed her almost without knowing why she stopped for a moment thinking to return the steps approached quicker and before she could retreat she beheld lord elmwood at the other end of the hall and perceived that he saw her it was too late to hesitate what was to be done she could not go back and had not courage to go on she therefore stood still disconcerted and much affected at his sight their former intimacy coming to her mind with the many years and many sad occurrences past since she last saw him all her intentions all her meditated plans how to conduct herself on such an occasion gave way to a sudden shock and to make the meeting yet more distressing her very fright she knew would serve to recall more powerfully to his mind the subject she most wished him to forget the steward was with him and as they came up close by her side giffard observing him look at her earnestly said softly but so as she heard him my lord this is miss woodley lord elmwood took off his hat instantly and with an apparent friendly warmth laying hold of her hand he said indeed miss woodley i did not know you i am very glad to see you and while he spoke shook her hand with a cordiality which her tender heart could not bear and never did she feel so hard a struggle as to restrain her tears but the thought of matilda's fate the idea of awakening in his mind a sentiment that might irritate him against his child wrought more forcibly than every other effort and though she could not reply distinctly she replied without weeping whether he saw her embarrassment and wished to release her from it or was in haste to conceal his own he left her almost instantly but not till he had entreated she would dine that very day with him and mr sandford who were to dine without other company she curtsied assent and flew to tell matilda what had occurred 
after listening with anxiety and with joy to all she told matilda laid hold of that hand which she said lord elmwood had held and pressed it to her lips with love and reverence when miss woodley made her appearance at dinner sandford who had not seen her since the invitation and did not know of it looked amazed on which lord elmwood said do you know sandford i met miss woodley this morning and had it not been for giffard i should have passed her without knowing her but miss woodley if i am not so much altered but that you knew me i take it unkind you did not speak first she was unable to speak even now he saw it and changed the conversation when sandford eagerly joined in discourse which relieved him from the pain of the former as they advanced in their dinner the embarrassment of miss woodley and of mr sandford diminished lord elmwood in his turn became not embarrassed but absent and melancholy he now and then sighed heavily and called for wine much oftener than he was accustomed when miss woodley took her leave he invited her to dine with him and sandford whenever it was convenient to her he said besides many things of the same kind and all with the utmost civility yet not with that warmth with which he had spoken in the morning into that he had been surprised his coolness was the effect of reflection when she came to lady matilda and sandford had joined them they talked and deliberated on what had passed you acknowledge mr sandford said miss woodley that you think my presence affected lord elmwood so as to make him much more thoughtful than usual if you imagine these thoughts were upon lady elmwood i will never intrude again but if you suppose that i made him think upon his daughter i cannot go too often i don't see how he can divide those two objects in his mind replied sandford therefore you must e'en visit him on and take your chance what reflections you may cause but be they what they will time will steal away from you that power of affecting him she concurred in that opinion and occasionally she walked into lord elmwood's apartments dined or took her coffee with him as the accident suited and observed according to sandford's prediction that time wore off the impression her visits first made lord elmwood now became just the same before her as before others she easily discerned too through all that politeness which he assumed that he was no longer the considerate the forbearing character he formerly was but haughty impatient imperious and more than ever implacable end of chapter seven volume three recorded by pam moscato